Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and Liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What is going on, Boogie Cats? Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 41. I am Brian McWilliams, as always, with you here to guide you through the odyssey that is libertarian thought as it's reflected in the cultural prism of our times. Now then, if you're new to the show, you can find all the show notes for the stories that I will talk about today over at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL41. So, first things first, I debated getting into a bit of discussion about the Iran deal, nuclear deal that was established under Obama and was frankly one of the very few things I liked about Barack Obama's uh, regime (laughs) is that he actually achieved something, in my opinion, with the Iran deal. Yes, I'm opposed to giving countries massive amount of money, but I'm more opposed to all sorts of crazy wars that kill thousands of people and cost us trillions more than we would have paid them anyway just to get them to stop doing their nuclear uh, investigations and achieving milestones within the nuclear program. So not going to go too far into it. Want to wait to see what Trump actually does with this deal. But uh, let me say, would probably not please me too much if he actually let that expire and refused to play ball with it. Now then, getting into this episode, top of the show, I never do this, but I do want to talk about the Pride real quick, because we just recorded between me, John Odermatt, who of course hosts Felony Fridays, and which you should definitely check out, because uh, this Friday coming up, he's going to have Remzo W. Martinez on to talk about an interesting investigation he's been doing into Eric Holder helping to raise money for the Democrats, so that should be a very interesting episode. But Odie and I, or John Odermatt, Odie, and Rico, the mysterious man of legal mystery, who also is degenerate gambler, degenerate gambler, excuse me, I'm tripping over my own words here. We got together for our Pride members, and we record a new thing called the Degenerate Gamblers Podcast, wherein we pick games. We're using make-believe money, although Rico, I think, is using real money (laughs) on his own. And we pick between eight and ten games a week. We've got uh, funny money we're using. Our Pride members are invited to join along. And if they can beat us, and we're all actually pretty decent gamblers, but if they can beat us, we're going to give away a free T-shirt to whoever can achieve that glorious status as Degenerate Supreme. So that's fun. Again, the Pride is a lot of good stuff going on there, guys. So if you're interested, please do go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. All right, so top of the show here. The one, one thing I have to talk about is Harvey Weinstein, because I live here in Hollywood. Of course, the entertainment industry is here. I know a lot of people within it and working in public relations. I also deal with some journalists that have had interactions. And it's interesting because as this story has developed and a quick background for those of you who have been hiding under a rock or, uh, or I don't know, have just been in a, in a nest of love. Let's hope let's hope you were just deep in an oiled up nest of love and you're finally emerging and, and looking at the news. So Harvey Weinstein, who was a mogul in the entertainment industry, super wealthy guy, founded Miramax Pictures, which was known for creating, essentially creating independent film as we know it, taking passion projects, 
uh, you know, getting big name actors, but in smaller projects that have lower budgets, but that still would have commercial appeal is essentially what they were able to achieve. He and his brother. So very influential guy within the business. Disney bought out Miramax in 1993. But throughout the ages, there have been rumors about Harvey Weinstein and frankly, many other people in the entertainment industry, both gay and straight. He is straight. But uh, there's also allegations of, of people that are going up to men who are gay and using their power and influence to get them to do sexual favors, which is what people are saying Harvey Weinstein has done over and over and over again during his career to up-and-coming actresses. So recently, a model had come out and said, you know, here's, my, here's what happened to me, and she has it on tape, and you can hear him talking. You know, it's, it's a thing where it looks very, very much like he has been caught red-handed. And while Harvey Weinstein issued a statement, he did not deny it. He basically said, well, I was brought up in this industry in a time when things were different, kind of saying this is the way that the industry handled itself. And he's not wrong, mind you. He's wrong morally to take advantage of the situation in the way he has, uh, especially if it involves forcibly doing things to women, uh, which there's allegations about that as well, forced uh, oral sex, forced copulation in general. So these things have been alleged. But he's not wrong that that has gone on and continues to go on within the industry. So this has come out, this bombshell. And on top of this, this overall outrage that people have that this has been going on, quote unquote, unbeknownst to people. You've got the fact that Harvey Weinstein is a huge donator to the Democratic Party. He was a handler for Barack Obama. He visited the White House several times during Barack Obama's presidency. He was known for putting together large events for him and fundraising dinners and uh, and whoring him out to the entertainment community to raise buckets of cash for the DNC. Not only Barack Obama, but also Hillary Clinton. He actually only gave $5,000 himself to Barack Obama, but he did have all these fundraisers. However, he gave something like $18,000 to Hillary Clinton, and over the course of his donating tenure, donated some $1.5 million to the party. So, when this news broke, when all these people were going, oh my God, and granted, this happened about five days ago, six days ago as of the airing of this podcast. Everybody's saying, oh, I can't believe this is happening. Oh my God, the humanity. Where are Barack Obama and where is Hillary Clinton on this? Hillary Clinton, who was supposed to be the shining beacon for women, who you can find about 4,000 pictures of online with a simple search of her smiling and glad-handing with Harvey Weinstein. And we're not going to even get into the whole mystical grotto where all these politicians and bigwigs supposedly go to have all sorts of sex parties. I, I'm not even going to get into that. I don't know if there's if he's visited. I would presume he has, but I'm not going to get into that. But there's all sorts of pictures of them having the greatest time with Harvey Weinstein and Bill Clinton, which makes a lot of sense. But, you know, you've got Hillary. She doesn't say shit. For five days, she finally issued a statement. Finally, after five days and absolutely getting hammered with pressure from people. And here is what she said. I'll say I'll read you the exact statement. I was shocked and appalled by the revelations about Harvey Weinstein. The behavior described by women coming forward cannot be tolerated. Their courage and the support of others is critical in helping to stop this kind of behavior. So, of course, 
She's not going to go out of her way to return any contributions from him. Because uh, screw that. She also is is pretending she's a guest. How, how could this be happening? Harvey Weinstein. Oh, my God. This man who said allegations against him for the past 20 years. I can't believe that this turns out to be true. Meanwhile, I could give two flying fucks in a fuck tent while he's raising money for me. Right, Hillary? Because that's clearly the situation. And so can Barack Obama. All these people, they, they, they just, it's all this, this bullshit talk. And at the end of the day, they're friends with the biggest scumbags in the world. They don't give a damn. Hillary Clinton does not give a damn about women. For all her talk about glass ceilings and women's rights and inspiring a new generation of women, she has gone out of her way to protect rapists, to protect her husband, to slander women that have come forward with allegations. God, I mean, I, I honestly wish she was married to Harvey Weinstein just to see what she'd say about this. Have her go on the attack against uh, these women coming out. I mean, she's certainly got a type. (laughs) We can agree on that. When Hillary Clinton walks into a bar, her eyes lock on the one guy that she knows is going to be a true uh, philandering scumbag who likes to use his power and influence to make women give them oral uh, pleasuring. That's just Hillary. Hillary Clinton's got the radar, man. Damn, she's got some good radar. So that's her type. And Barack Obama and Michelle Obama also waited about six days to issue a statement. And it's the same, same crap. Just, oh, we can't believe it if, you know, this this can't be tolerated, this kind of behavior. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm sure you had no idea that this is going on. I mean, give me a break. And the thing is, too, this has been covered up for years. And Hollywood knows this is going on. Big wigs like Russell Crowe and Matt Damon who shout at the top of their lungs about progressive values and try to demean other people and virtue signal and tell everybody how they should be living and what's right and wrong. Matt Damon and Russell Crowe were integral in killing a story in 2004 that was being written by Sharon Waxman, who's actually a journalist that I personally have interacted with several times during my public relations career. Actually, I I find Sharon Waxman, uh, she has a fond place in my heart. Because one of the bigger stories that I worked on was a uh, stuntman's union, which uh, was called Stunts Unlimited. And they are trying to get an Academy Award for stunt work, which they still don't have. And it's atrocious. Because you think about it, who are the people that die making movies? It's not the dickhead directors. It's not the talentless actors who are a dime a dozen. It's not the writers who deserve way more credit. And it's not the craft service people. No, it's the stuntmen. They actually are dying making movies, getting broken bones, getting burned alive, falling off goddamn buildings. They don't have an Academy Award. And the Academy and all these dickheads who work in the entertainment industry still would not give them the award. So that's what my public relations campaign was about. Getting attention. I did a protest. I did all this stuff. So Sharon Waxman was at the New York Times. And this is probably about 2000. So this is about a year after she tried to write a story about Harvey Weinstein, which is in 2004. So she did all this research. She flew to, uh, to Italy because they had an Italian this guy, Lombardo, who handled all of this, this Miramax Italy stuff, which was all a shell for him. Basically, this guy Lombardo, she found out, was making $400,000 a year, even though it was his first year working for the company. And he had no experience in the entertainment industry. And by the way, this, this story is linked at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL41. So you can read it yourself. But she goes and interviews all these people, finds out Lombardo's basically just trafficking Russian sex workers in 
for Harvey Weinstein to bang. And that's his sole job. And it was like an open secret. So she comes back. She tries to get the New York Times to write about it. And the New York Times wilts under the pressure. The gray old, they're the grand old gray lady, whatever the fuck they call it, it doesn't have the balls to go through with the story. And you know why? Because Harvey Weinstein threatened to sue them, which, by the way, happens all the time, and they still run the story. But more so, she got called herself. By who? Matt Damon and Russell Crowe called directly to vouch for Lombardo. And they, have, they talked to all these other people at the New York Times. Long story short, gutted the story, killed it off. Big expose blowing this out of the water over 10 years ago. Could have saved a lot of women from being forcibly uh, forced to perform oral sex, if that is indeed true, or raped or whatever else is going on on the Miramax casting couch. And by the way, not to make too late of this, but I honestly, I can't wait to see this casting couch for Harvey Weinstein in just like the skeeziest, most gross rundown Hollywood, planet Hollywood that's ever existed. I, I look forward to going there. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, the casting couch should be in the lobby. That's what you wait on before your uh, table's ready. But anyway, the New York Times, this, this newspaper that's supposed to be the standard that all newspapers hold themselves to, which has clearly become a, a joke uh, during the Trump administration, much as the Washington Post has. But they backed off, wouldn't run it because they're getting all these calls because he was a big advertiser, because Matt Damon and Russell Crowe were upset. Their widow, their widow feelings are hurt that this guy who would help them get ahead was going to be exposed. I mean, it just shows you the shocking, disgusting hypocrisy that exists with these asshole progressives that are here in Hollywood. I mean, these people, it's like out of one side of their mouth, they're saying they're living this, this idyllic life. And look, look at what we're doing. We're conserving and we believe in progressive values. We believe in equality and we believe in all this shit. And at the other side, you've got these people having these these sex parties, you've got people having underage children coming over. All this shit goes on, uh, not in quote-unquote plain sight, but it goes on constantly. And, you know, it's funny. It's one of those things we're thinking about this on the way home from work today. Well, it's, I mean, it's definitely wrong that Harvey Weinstein is, if he forced himself on an actress, forced himself on an actress, that's wrong. However, I'm looking at it from the other side. You know, if he's been doing this for X number of years, there would have been a hell of a lot more people that would have come out and said something, especially if these actresses didn't get ahead. So at the same time, I look at this as, as though I say, okay, how many of these actresses went in there knowing full well what they were getting into and said, you know what? That for me is a trade-off that's well worth it. I mean, shit, I will tell you honestly right now, if Harvey Weinstein came up to me and said, I'll make you a movie star, you'll be making millions of dollars a year, and you won't have to worry for the rest of your days. You could pretty much, I mean, let's be honest. If you're a movie star for five, six years, if you don't go crazy buying Lamborghinis and, uh, and all this other shit, rapper style, you can, re- you can retire fairly early. Take a little roll here and there, retire, live a life of leisure. If he told me, he says, hey, why don't you come on up to my office? Why don't you lie on your couch, spread your ass, and let me have my way with you? I would probably say, yeah, all right, Harvey. You know what? You got 10 minutes. Do your worst. Because that is a hell of a trade-off. 10 minutes of uncomfortableness for a life of leisure. 
to live your dreams, to never have to worry about working again. And if that's what happened, I'm sure a lot of women were more than happy to do that. And I, and I, it's like, I don't want to excuse his actions. And I don't want to say it's not sexism, but clearly, I mean, it's, it is sexism in the way that this is expected. But again, you listen to Terry Crews came out. He talked about this. It happens to men too. So it's not even sexist. It's just power. To say it's something where it's exploitation of women is wrong because it's also exploitation of men. All it is is people in power abusing their power or leveraging their power to get something that they want. Like I remember there was this instance um, a few months ago where a sheriff was offering a trade-off with people that he had arrested. He said, well, if you have sex with me, I'll drop the charges to reduce your sentence. Is it wrong that he's doing that because it's not a fair uh, treatment across the board? Yes, but at the same time, if you're in that situation, fuck, go for it. You know? Rather be free, rather be free and fucked than in jail and fucked. I'll tell you that much. So all of this yelling, it's it's just it's the same thing as anything else. But if you're gonna if you're a person of power, you're gonna use that power for something. Now, whether that's good or evil, that's up to you. But to impose this specific morality to say, well, it's wrong that he had that he had gotten ahead and it's, it's wrong he would consistently do this to women. This could have been stopped at any time. It could have been stopped by any number of women coming forward and saying something. And the reason they didn't shows you that the proof is in the pudding, that a lot of these women did, in fact, get a make good on that. And they did, in fact, become very wealthy and have fantastic careers. So, again, not saying it's right, but just want to put that perspective out there. Okay, let's move on to another story. What do you think? So I want to talk a little bit about the United Nations and Nikki Haley. So Nikki Haley is our representative of the United Nations. Again, I'm not a fan of the UN. I don't think we should be in the UN. I'm sure most of you agree with me. However, (laughs) we're in there now. And Nikki Haley recently opposed, well, I should say the United States and the Donald Trump administration failed to support a motion where they would basically condemn the stoning to death of gays. Would you think is something that you'd want to stand up and take a, a stand against? You know, maybe, maybe just pick that one issue to say that's not a great thing. Specifically, this is a United Nations resolution to condemn death penalty sentences against gay people for having sex. And the reason that the U.S. didn't back this is because they feared it could lead to executions being banned in America. Just think about that for a second. The United States, land of the free, home of the brave, was too scared to back a resolution, which, which by the way, means almost nothing in general, but it was too cowardly to back a resolution. Or I shouldn't even say cowardly. We were too in love with killing people to back a resolution that would have condemned killing gay people for being gay. I mean, I can think of a lot of despicable things that the United States has done. If we're going to take war off the table, if we're going to take internment camps off the table, if we're going to take slavery off the table, this is pretty high up on the despicable list of things the United States has done. 
I mean, seriously, to say that we're not going to back that because we're afraid the United Nations will turn around and say, well, then you guys should stop capital punishment. How many people die of capital punishment a year anyway? 10, 20? Most states don't even have it. Some states have it. And even those, it takes forever. People are on death row for a ridiculous amount of time. And even then, half of those people are probably innocent because you have situations like John Odermatt exposes on Felony Fridays, where DNA evidence comes out that exonerates people. And they spent 20 years in jail on death row. Thank God it took so long. Because that person was innocent. But no, we love killing so much in this country. So much do we need to defend the ability to put someone to death for a crime that we are not willing to say that people that are homosexual should not be fucking stoned to death. Absolutely pathetic. Meanwhile, where are the news stories about this? Because I haven't heard shit about it. I'm hearing about Harvey Weinstein. I'm hearing about, about what Trump said and Trump tweeted. I'm hearing about the NFL. I'm not hearing about the United States refusing to condemn the act of stoning gay people to death for being gay. Makes me absolutely sick to my stomach. All right, on that happy note, let's take a quick commercial break, guys, and I will be right back with a little bit more Electric Liberty Land. Hey, guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com and you can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty. Rock and roll. All right, we are back with more Electric Liberty Land. Make sure you do check out those podcasts, guys. Good peeps. I actually will be on the Johnny Rocket launch pad very soon. I've been promised that. I already recorded the episode, so I get into uh, get into some deep conversations, as always, on that show. So as soon as that comes out, I'll share it in the Lions of Liberty forum, which you guys should join. We got a ton of forum action going on there. So you can just do that. Go to Facebook, type in Lions of Liberty Forum. I know it sounds complicated, but I believe in you. So you go join up. Uh, all you got to do, answer a simple little question, just telling where you heard about it. Could be from the podcast, could be online, could be from a buddy, could be from a homeless man shouting in the streets. Going to give somebody a t-shirt just to do that. Be like, here's this t-shirt, but you got to yell at every car that goes by Lions of Liberty. And you got to do it with your dick in your pants at least once a day. Anyway, maybe I'll push it up against a bus window. Really get a lot of people. Like, more bang for your buck, you know? As long as he's got that T-shirt on when his dick's against that window, I don't have a problem with it. All right, let's get picking up. So we're, we're talking about some... Uh, yeah, this, this show is going... It's going into all the crazy topics. So here's another story that came out. 
And this one involves the NFL, but not the sitting, standing anthem shit that's going on. Which, by the way, I'm not going to get into this too much yet, but the NFL is talking about making a mandate, which I think technically is illegal. However, at a private company, you probably can still mandate people to do it. But saying that NFL players have to stand for the anthem. We thought that they had to already, because the NBA has a mandate that players have to stand for the anthem. The NFL does not. It says that players should stand, but it doesn't actually have a rule that specifically states that they must. So, as predicted a couple weeks ago on this show, I told you, as soon as the money starts to be threatened, which I'm sure is happening right now from Donald Trump, where he's telling the military uh, that's putting all these millions of dollars into the NFL that rolls out the American flag and does its whole uh, jingoist dance routine out there with the military members and the military person singing the national anthem every game and all of that stuff. And the, and the Blue Angels and the, and the B-52 is all flying over stadiums and all that other shit that happens. As soon as that money gets threatened, the NFL owners will react. They already did their little PR party. They already did their kneeling and the Jerry Jones holding arms and all this other crap to show that they cared, to show that they're, uh, they're with it, that they're progressive. Now it's time that they're going to pull the rug out. They're going to tell everybody, you got to stand or your job is on the line because money talks. And there's a lot of money yelling at the NFL right now. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is social justice gone wrong and social justice being used as an explanation for utter fucking bullshit. Latest example, Dolphins offensive line coach. And this guy is named Christopher Forster. Maybe Forrester? Forrester. F-O-E-R-S-T-E-R. Miami Dolphins offensive line coach. Who, by the way, the offensive uh, line for the Miami Dolphins is terrible. So probably would have been fired soon anyway. But video came out that was released by this stripper named Kiwana. There's no way I'm pronouncing this right. Kiwana Nige? (laughs) K-I-J-U-A-N-A-N-I-G-E. Meh. I'm just going to call her K-N. Or Kija. I'll call her Kija for short. So anyway, Kija, she got these videos that were sent to her from Christopher Forster. And he's in his office at the Miami Dolphins practice facility. He's about to go into a meeting, which I don't know if he's running it or just sitting at it. But he's basically doing lines of cocaine off of his desk. And he's talking very seductively into the camera because he's sending a video to this stripper who apparently he's spent a lot of time with in Vegas and he has uh, some sort of relationship with. And she also said that she's keeping the baby or I said or he says that, uh, you know, I think you're keeping the baby so I won't be able to do this cocaine for a while. Basically intimating that she is pregnant with his baby. That is as of yet unconfirmed. But this stripper... He sends her this video of him saying, oh, you know, baby, I miss you. I just, you have, we have so much fun together. I'm just doing this. I do this to think about you because we have so much fun. We're doing it together. And he basically like does his lines, puts a little bit on his finger and goes, I wish I was licking this off of your uh, punani, essentially. So very private video. Now, <laughs> you can debate the logic in sending a stripper a video like that. Uh, and, and not to demean strippers, by the way. I love strippers. Great people. But just as far as logic goes, clearly this guy had a crush and overestimated how close-knit that relationship was. But regardless, he sends this stripper this video. Very heartfelt video. 
expressing how much he adores her. And this chick goes and posts it on her Facebook account. And this is what she posts with it. I don't do this often, but since this is NFL Sunday, let's talk about these coaches, folks. Introducing Christopher Forster, Miami Dolphins line coach. Hey, honey, are you still high? And again, it's this video of him doing drugs. And she's saying that this is done because why? Social justice. Here was her statement she she said later on. The white people mad at me like I forced blow down this man's nose and like I recorded on that low. No, these are his habits and he recorded himself and sent it to me professing his love. So quick to make excuses for him, but will roast a minority player over an anthem, dogfights, weed, domestic issues, etc. But y'all keep saying all lives matter. Shut the fuck up. Somebody please explain to me how the fuck one thing is related to the other thing here. I mean, is this a giant non sequitur? Like, what the fuck is this chick talking about? She thinks that it's striking a blow for social justice to expose this guy. I mean, look, if you're the Dolphins, I'm sure you're not happy he's doing blow in the uh, in the offices. But at the same time, let's not forget that the NFL consistently is jacking its players up with all sorts of medicines and painkillers and hitting the effects of concussion testing for years. So it's not like the NFL is just this saintly organization in the first place. But regardless, this fucking chick ruins this man's career, destroys his marriage. And her excuse is that it's for social justice because he's a white coach and people are upset about black players kneeling during the national anthem. This is such a perversion of logic. And frankly, this is what pisses me off and is making me so angry these days is that When you have social justice and people have this understanding of it, it excuses everything. It's like this ends justifies the means horseshit that is going on constantly. We're saying, well, no, it's okay because it's striking a blow for equality, even though it's not. This stupid person understands this as striking a blow when merely all she's done is ruin someone's life. This has done nothing to forward the conversation about equality. What exactly did, I'm sorry, are NFL players tweeting at her, thanking her for her, for her sacrifice or all, all the black players that work under this offensive line coach who they probably liked, even though he's, even though the offensive line is terrible, they probably liked him. It's probably well liked within the industry that is football because you don't get to that position without making a lot of friends. So I'm sure all these black players that he's worked with, that he's coached, that he's friends with are just beyond happy that she's ruined his career and destroyed his marriage because he is married with three children. And what's funny is his nurse is actually, his nurse actually works uh, as an addiction specialist, which is (laughs) ironic. And I'm not going to get into the war on drugs and how I feel that cocaine should be legal anyway, because he's in the workplace. If you were caught drinking in the workplace, probably also wouldn't go over too well. But it's just this concept that social justice now has expanded to the point where anything can be explained away by being for social justice. Any action you take, you can say it's for social justice. You could go punch your neighbor in the face for no reason and be like, oh, that was for social justice because you're, you're entitled. I'm striking a blow for minorities. You know, you, you didn't have this house. You, uh, you, you should have donated this house to a, to a minority family. This was your parents' house is one of the Black Lives Matter uh, demands that they issue. White people give their houses to minorities. 
It's just as, I mean, it's just so, so ridiculous. And, and honestly, if this was a black dude that some white stripper outed uh, for the opposite reason, saying that this was, you know, oh, we're defending these people for taking a knee and here's a black dude doing blow in, a, in the desk and he sent me this, it would also be despicable for the exact same reasons. Just it just is taking a concept and perverting it to the point. And this is what this but this is what happens with progressive thought. This is why I understand when people call progressivism a disease. I understand why they're saying that. Because it evolves, it spreads, and it mutates into what you see now, into Antifa, into what this chick is doing with with this video, into people protesting free speech. Just everything into trigger warnings, into into campuses not being able to teach literature that's been around for 200 years. It is a disease in the way that it mutates. And that, again, is not just social justice for the left. That's social justice for the right and the, I guess, the, the antithesis of it. It's the opposite reaction that's happening. And while I'm happy to see the reaction and the pushback against PC culture, some of this stuff obviously goes too far. All this conservative hoopla about this anthem protest and calling for these people, you know, this is their this is them exercising the free speech. Let's not confuse that. You can't say that you're for free speech when it comes to protecting people like Ben Shapiro or Milo Yiannopoulos going to speak, or, or uh, Coulter, or any name your favorite right-winger, Dennis Prager. You can't say that they're assaulting free speech on one hand, and then go around and say that somebody else can't express their free speech because you just don't like it. And kneeling during the national anthem is expressing your free speech. Just uh, ridiculous. Ridiculous story. You know, I feel for the guy. Did he fuck up? Yes. Stupid? Was it stupid? Oh, oh boy. What a fucking idiot. But at the same time, dude didn't deserve that. Not for that reason anyway. If you want to if you want to blackmail the man, go and blackmail him, but uh don't say it's for social justice. Justice absurd. All right, let's talk about some other blackmail. Let's talk about blackmail and let's talk about bribery in Latin America. If I wasn't lazy, I would put some uh, some nice mariachi music in there, you know, a little castanets, perhaps, maybe a little Caribbean, uh, you know, kind of rumba music. Because a recent study came out from The Guardian where it shows bribes for public services are rife in Latin America and the Caribbean. They did a survey. One in three people across the region paid a bribe in the past year to police health services or schools. I mean, think about that. Not just cops, because everybody, like in Venezuela, for instance, this article references 73% of the people surveyed said the police were corrupt. And they said that basically they paid them off in the last. So like it's a, it's a regular thing. You just pay off the cops regular as clockwork. You just have to do it. But also schools, hospitals, ID documentation, uh, documentation services, also, of course, prone to bribery. Because obviously, if people are trying to sneak over, they're gonna they're gonna falsify their ID records. They're gonna get their passport stamped. They're gonna do all these other things to sneak their way in. Obviously, but just in general, that I have less of a problem with. The bigger issue to me is that you've got these public services like these hospitals, which again, this is like an instance. Look at Venezuela. Look at any socialized country. Look at what we're trying to do with healthcare now, putting it under government control, where you're gonna have 
healthcare officials that are simply looking for bribes to give you the basic services that you need to stay alive. And in a country where you don't have another option, if there's not a free market at play, if you've got services where all of the countries dependent on it, where else are you going to turn? And at that point, maybe you could have another option. Like, for example, in Sweden, they've got private institutions where you can go. You pay, basically, you pay for your government healthcare, but it's so terrible that people turn to private insurance as well. So it's doubling up. But clearly, poor people can't do that. In a free market system, everybody can have equal access to healthcare and afford it. But in a situation like this, where you socialized it, the poor people are dependent on these government services. And go in, they know you, even though you're poor, you probably have $20. You could part with that, keep your kid alive. So that's what's going on here. And they interviewed some, I think they said some 22,000 people throughout Latin America, throughout the Caribbean. And they found that throughout Latin America, while whistleblowing is acceptable culturally, so it's not like your neighbors are going to get upset, 28% of people who reported corruption suffered from retaliation, which, again, you would figure. And this happens in America, too, let's not forget. There was an instance very recently where a sheriff was arrested because he had somebody had complained. It was actually a blogger had written a blog exposing some corruption in his uh, police office, and he then retaliated and went after her and was harassing her and arresting her. And he actually, she took him to court. She pressed charges. Now that mofo is behind bars, which is great. But in this situation, because everybody's corrupt, there's nobody to police the police. There's no watchman. So what happens? These people, they report something. They report corruption. And, oh, get a knock on the door. Somebody comes in, busts your kneecaps. They smash your car up. They deny you services down the road. This is what happens. And that's why they say only 9% of people come forward to report these bribes. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So again, you see that these, this is, this is not something that you like, you can't legislate away corruption. And I feel like that's, that's part of what the left views as its selling point when it talks about socializing these services. Because the left views, it's, it, it's this concept of the government as parent. You know, big daddy government's going to come in, you're like your parents... I mean, granted, I had, I had a good childhood. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure some of you did not. I'm sure some of you had very, very bad parents. But in general, the overall concept of parents is your parents are wise. They're infallible. They're fair. If you have a sister, your parents are the adjudicator. But while you would say, that's unfair, at the end of the day, you're going to say, well, my parents know better. They, they're gonna, they don't have a horse in this race. They love my sister and I or my brother and I equally. They're going to make the decision that makes the most sense. And the left thinks that that is the way government functions. Meanwhile, government actually functions like the most dysfunctional gaggle of siblings that have ever lived. Instead of being the parents, it's essentially, <laughs> essentially what the government has become is instead of being the parents, it is literally a group of children squabbling over a pittance. Like they're all squabbling for this, well, not a pittance, I mean, God, our our uh, national budget is ridiculous and our debt is insane. But you know what I'm saying? They're all fighting for the same piece of pie. And they're fighting dirty as hell with each other. And the fact that they have all this power enables them, just like with Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein had power. He had privilege. Do we not think that this happens in government? Do we not think that the government finds ways and people within the government find ways to use their power to get ahead? 
Do we not think that there's ongoing corruption, especially when it comes to business? You see how long it takes to get a permit. You don't think that there's people greasing palms? You don't think there's cops on the toll? I mean, God, how many police offices or how many, how many police uh, departments have been busted? Like the entire New York City Police Department got busted. It had to be flipped upside down because of corruption. Because they're all taking money for drugs. Corruption is rampant in any organization. The free market is what keeps corruption honest because you can find a cheaper service elsewhere because you weed out that corruption because your business owner doesn't want somebody corrupt stealing from him from inside. But when you have a grand bureaucracy like government that can't function anyway, who's going to keep track of all these little cogs as they spin off, start doing their own thing? Start taking money. Start abusing the budgets like uh, like what happened with the construction costs where people are putting down $3,000 hammers and $500 boxes of nails for reconstruction projects in Iraq. You can't possibly keep track of something that that's, long. that's that large, pardon me. And to expect that the government is this entity which has no interests is beyond naive. I mean, the government exists to make itself bigger, clearly, and the people within the government want to make their share of the pie bigger, whether that comes from another person in the government or whether that comes from you and I is the only question. And they don't give a shit which it is. As long as they keep getting bigger, getting richer, and expanding their power, it does not matter to them. It's going to be which one is the root of of least resistance. Sometimes that's fighting internally. Sometimes that's coming after us. But again, the left doesn't understand that. They don't understand that people are still in government. Again, I will bring up Rick and Morty, great show, and the example that they use. While it, Whether or not their example was intentional, I don't know. Because God knows Dan Harmon ain't coming on this show. I would have him on in a second, but I, I don't think he's going uh, to agree. But they had an entire government that they created from this one man, the smartest man in the universe. Rick, Rick Sanchez, super genius scientist, interdimensional traveler, a million different Ricks in a million different dimensions. They come together to make the Citadel of Ricks, which is a government run by Ricks and Ricks only. And what does it become? Fucked up, corrupt, bureaucratic, can't get anything done, treats different people. uh, Despite the fact that it's all the same person. You still have people that have climbed to the top and people that have been regulated to do the menial tasks, even though they all have the same IQ, the same genetic makeup. The point being, the government is made up of people. And I don't care how smart and talented the people are, when you get something together that's that big, it will get completely screwed up. The size, the power, the temptation, all of that comes into play to make it something where it's simply not reasonable to expect it to actually work as intended. And that's what we're seeing play out in all of these other countries. And God forbid we get there, but that's where we're leading towards. And we'll see. Like I said, I want to wrap this show up by talking a little bit about Rand Paul and Donald Trump because Donald Trump, he's got the GOP uh, healthcare plan, which is basically dead in the water. As I said, I was for it, not as a full rah-rah supporter, but I thought it was a good step forward. And by step forward, I mean uh, it was at least taking somewhat of an axe and pruning off some of the more odious branches of the Obamacare tree. So that's pretty much dead. The next big issue now is tax reform. And there's a tax plan that's out there, which Rand Paul objects to. However, 
there have been some issues where he was using the wrong metrics, but we still haven't seen the full tax plan. So neither does Rand Paul. That's the problem. But now we're hearing Rand Paul just tweet about the fact that he and Donald Trump speak fairly often and that Donald Trump and Rand have been working together on a step forward that will really help with health care. Now, the only thing I can think of that being would be to legalize insurance sales across state lines. And that's what I think it obviously is going to be. Because I think that's something that Donald Trump can accomplish on his own with an executive order, which God forbid, I'm not a fan of executive orders, but if he's using it for this, I got to support it. So I think that's what they're working on. So bringing it back around to healthcare, hopefully that is what he's working on with Rand Paul. And I think Rand Paul, despite all his protestations for this tax plan, is going to play ball. That's why they've been talking so much. Rand's support and Rand's vote is critical to getting that tax reform passed. And I think that that is essentially what's going on in the back room. So we'll wait and see. We'll pick that up a little farther down the line. And uh, yeah, we'll see if it's a Paulus or a minus. You never know. All right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this show. Thank you for hanging in there with me. Please do remember to follow me at Brian McWilliams at Twitter. Follow at Lions of Liberty. Join our forum on the Facebook. Go give us an iTunes review. And please share the show. Tell your friends. Talk about it in other forums and spread the ideas of liberty and specifically our ideas on liberty. So from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land... Always stay plugged in to the liberty.